Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right podcasting. I just came home from vacation as like the day that we're recording. I don't know when we'll release this to be, to be announced, (laughs) but I'm like, it feels good to be back in the seat. It feels so good to have another inspiring feminist lens life coach in front of me. Um, listeners today I'm with Michelle Morkert. Morkert. Yes. Morkert. Morkert. I will let you introduce yourself so I don't trip up your entire introduction. Um, but we also, as as many of my listeners here and all my podcasts, found each other on social media. And um, it's been just really lovely to follow each other and watch each other's work. Uh, and it came to the point where it was like, time for a podcast. Mm-hmm. So here we are. We're just going to talk about all the things. Um what, how does the feminism lens look at the abortion conversation, right? Like how, how is patriarchy affecting our experience? Um, and we'll just sort of hash it out and see what happens. But why don't you introduce yourself to my audience in a way that feels good for you, for this, these people today. Great. Okay. Yeah. All right. And thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, You know, I love everything you're doing on Instagram, your posts. I'm always like, what is she going to post next? They're so powerful. What's next? And I think we connected in um, joyful marketing too. Nice. We have mentioned on the podcast before, but I'll definitely link to right. Joyful marketing. That's how we connected, I guess, and decided to do this. Yeah. Perfect. Um, yes, um, I'm Michelle Morkert, and I'm a feminist coach and a global gender scholar. Mm. Um, I coach women identified folks who are just really to excavate like the patriarchal conditioning and those gender norms at socialization. It's like underneath and we all have it, right? Yeah. We all have it and it they create like limiting beliefs. Um, perfectionism, especially for women. I mean, that's like a huge one um, mm-hmm. about the inner critic and that meanness. Mine often sounds very patriarchal. It's like yeah, Reverend yeah. Paris from the crucible, like, you know, coming down on me, right? Like it's harsh. And I see that like the patriarchy, you know, kind of in there and it just, you know, keeps us small. Right. And so we have like the belief layering and, uh, we got to excavate that. And there's a lot of guilt around it sometimes, which makes it really tough. Um, And I have a PhD in women's and gender studies and my research has been global in nature. And I'm always looking at um, gender-based violence, which means I'm looking at patriarchy and what patriarchy looks like all over the place and what the feminist disruptions of that patriarchy look like. Mm. And so, you know, I really love to keep my research going because my research helps me coach. My coaching helps me research. The more I can understand what patriarchy looks like in all these different places, you know, the better I can help my clients. Mm. Um, 
And um, I taught in academia for like 15 and a half years. And I spent a lot of that time in a pretty conservative religious institution building a women's and gender studies program. Wow. So it's like I got another education in patriarchy, right? Um, in that space. And then of course, just my life, like none of us are immune from you know patriarchal structures. It's, it's how we live, it's where we were born, right? So we've all sort of, internalized that. Um, so yeah, so that's what I do. And I coach, you know, women identified folks on all those things. I love it. What an amazing, like, you know, pulling it all together and just adding, adding, adding. I feel like, like, as I heard you talk, I'm like, oh, she just keeps adding goodness onto the, <laughs> onto the life experience. And then the way that you can serve and the way that you can make a difference. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I was raised like in a pretty conservative rural, you know, Midwestern town. So like I carry a lot of that with me from yeah. the youngest ages. Right. And so it's all it's all in there. And I still work on it. I think we all always work on it. As you were talking, I was thinking about um, a call I was on last night with uh, it was a, just it was a discovery call, like a consult call. Okay. And um, one of the things she said really stuck out for me in, in your words, which in regards to like perfectionism, mm -hmm. and this was a very like well-educated, like just, a, just an incredible person. And this belief system she had is like smart people don't have unplanned pregnancies. Mm. And that like reminded me so much of my experience is like, I was able to wrap my head around the abortion itself and like release some of the shame around that, that didn't really latch on the way I, for me personally, didn't really latch on the way I think it does for some people, but there was this like perfectionist, like patriarchal, like fit in the boxes you're supposed to go in and like smart people don't have unplanned pregnancies. I never would have really said it the way she said it, but I was like, mm-hmm, totally. Where's that coming from? So I'd love to hear your like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I coach on perfectionism a lot and mm -hmm. I've experienced perfectionism a lot. And if you think about imposter syndrome and some people like the phrase and some people don't, I just think it's like another word for the patriarchy, you know, and how it like manifests in our lives. But perfectionism is one of those. And, um, and it's really like this combination of patriarchy and also, you know, like white supremacy culture in our society, capitalism. It's like all these systems combined into one where we just think we have to earn that approval by just working super hard, right? And patriarchy conditions us to look outside of ourselves for yes. answers right? Yeah. We seek our own authority. We don't trust ourselves. We think we need to get other people's approval or opinions. And then as a perfectionist, you try to get like 15 different sources and that's really never enough. And then you end up overworking, right? And so we just have these unrealistic expectations of ourselves because people don't tell us the most perfect thing you can do is just be you in your whole fullness. It's like the perfect thing is this out there. And so we can't make a mistake. And if we make what we think is a mistake, right, then we think it means something about us and our value as a human being. And so our brains, I think, are always looking for the errors, you know, that we're going to make to prove that we're not 
perfect. And so I think that that definitely, you know, connects with what your client was saying, right? Yeah, it's just this. And, and as I was on the call with her, very much stepping into that territory of like seeking external validation and just seeking someone else's approval, someone else's like, and when the thing with, um, with abortion too, I think, and this is the case with lots of situations, but we feel so terrible we find ourselves like looking for external validation to prove why we feel so terrible too. We're like, oh, that's why I feel awful. It's not just like maternal grief and sadness and just like loss of identity and all those things. Like, let me find some system to blame, some person to blame, some like we're looking for ways to explain why we feel awful. Partly because this is probably another conversation like grief in the patriarchal system we're in, there's no room for it. Like there's no room for grief. And so we feel the grief, we're like, what do I do with it? It doesn't fit in the boxes. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. So wild. Those gender boxes are binaries, first of Mm -hmm. all, right? So it's like male, female, you know, masculine, feminine. So we're already leaving out a whole huge chunk of the conversation and we're trying to shove people into these boxes. And if you think about this, woman box i'm doing the air quotes right it's like smile right so there's no room for grief there's no room for anger there's no room for confusion there's no room for solitude right it's smile fix it do the things for other people one of the greatest things you can do is to sacrifice then that gets into like mm-hmm. internal sacrifice and then that's that connects to things like overwork and perfectionism too in all the different areas yeah and so so then when we feel something that seems outside of that box or we experience something that's outside of the box of what should be for us, then it's like we made this mistake and then we have to look somewhere else to figure out how to fix it or to make us feel like less bad about yeah. ourselves, right? Because there's no, like there's no space for grief in, in that box. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you can go into any subject matter and realize it's just all so interconnected. Um, but even in this conversation, I've been doing this work for a few years now. And even in this conversation, I'm finding myself going like, oh my gosh, it's so much. Like, we're never gonna, we're never gonna get there. Like, I do this work all the time, every day. And just like hearing you reflect it back, I'm like, oh my God, we're doomed. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that feeling. Cause I think other people feel that feeling too. It's like, once I open the, once I put on the, the lens of like seeing what's actually happening, then I have to face what's actually happening, which is way too overwhelming. So let me just take the lens back off and live in the system as it is. Cause that's easier. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. it's the lenses. It's exactly what I tell my students all the time. It's like you're putting them on and you can't really take them off. You can pretend that you took them off, but you're really just pretending because it's so hard and it is overwhelming, but it's a big system, you know, and so we just start with what's present for us. And obviously there's going to be more connections and sometimes those layers are pretty deep you know, but a lot of times when we just start with one place and we have that aha moment, then we, I think, really need to sit with it because what I also see my clients um, 
not have the space for is to mark those successes and those milestones and really anchor those in. Mm. Um, so I work with some really like high achieving women, you know, and I, I ask them about past successes and they have a really hard time recalling them, even though they've done amazing, badass work. And, you know, so we don't always mark our successes. And I think that having that aha moment, that realization is one of those things to like mark and to sit with and figure out like, what about it's liberating? What about it feels sad, like grief? What about it is like pissing us off, you know, mm -hmm. and just kind of allowing ourselves to sit with all of that combination of feelings there's no right one feeling right because it's easy to like start getting like a perfectionist about your feminist like awakening I know. You know? <laughs> um, yeah but that's why you have a coach you know coach there to help out with that but it, i do feel overwhelmed sometimes you know i'll study things that are like war-based you know i'm like oh my god this is so big but then i remember that the individual experience is the revolution right it's like one moment at a time it's one conversation at a time because it doesn't just stick with you individually in your room in your house it it expands to your communities right yeah. your, your friends your neighbors and so that is how the revolution you know, starts. Um, yeah. So it's just one, one small thing at a time, one at a time. That's like, I don't tweet. I tried tweeting once. It's not my, <laughs> not my platform, but to me, like the individual experience is the revolution. That's like, I found myself in the last week. Um, there's that um, case right now with the woman, the couple in Florida whose baby was taken away from them. Have you seen that? Saisha? I think is her name. Um, it, it was essentially a case of like medical kidnapping. And then soon after that, I saw another black woman whose baby was like ripped out of her arms in the hospital for no good reason. Um, and I found myself last night in that state of overwhelm, like, oh my God, I need to drop all, all the work I'm doing and go over to birth care again, right? Like, and you find yourself like completely overwhelmed, wanting to fix and change all the things. And the only way I came back to center was like, come back to my individual experience. And then my experience with one woman who, one person who can change their healing, their process, their evolution, their growth. And like, that is the only way we can make that big revolution. But when you're watching it just on social media or just on the news, it's, it's so overwhelming. You, you gotta come back to center. Yeah. Yeah. And one time somebody told me that it's overwhelming because it is big, you know, it's not just us. I mean, this is the reality of the patriarchal system. And if you take an intersectional approach and you're looking at race and, um, you know, ethnicity and age and ability and, you know, all the other things, it is huge and it can yeah. be huge and it can be individual all at the same time. Yeah. Because we are experiencing a part of that big system. Everybody experiences it, you know, even the people who think they benefit from it, they're still experiencing the toxicity of, you know, patriarchy, white supremacy culture, right? Yeah. Can you speak a little to that? Like, as you were talking, I was just thinking a lot of times we get confused by the word patriarchy because we think it just means men. Like, we think it's just like, and so 
when maybe we have reproductive care with like nurse midwives and a female obstetrician and the people who are scheduling your appointment are all women you're like this isn't a patriarchal system like mm -hmm. i'm in this community of women and we forget that like it's not the people <laughs> it's the right. system like yeah yeah can you speak to that a little bit like how we unwind our brain from like attaching men to so like sounds dumb at this right like <laughs> from attaching like patriarchy as meaning only men versus mm -hmm. like the system yeah right because patriarchy is a system that promotes and protects male power but it's not all men that have the power and it's not all men that have the same amount of power either and you know, we could even just take something that seems, well, I guess it is controversial now as we think about like voting rights and, and racism, you know, in this country. But if we think about like gender and voting rights, um, if all men were against women voting, women never would have gotten the vote because it was all men who were in office, right? And if um, all women were for the vote, it would have happened a lot sooner, right? And so we're conditioned in the patriarchy to all play different roles to protect a system and to work somehow in the system. And that's not nefarious. I mean, I think most of the time we don't even know that yes. we're in a hysterical system. Yeah. So we try to change it. We try to do good things, you know, and where we're at, but then we realize who has the power in the system, right? Who's ultimately making the decisions. And oftentimes it's a pretty male dominated upper echelon of the power system. And some people like to be in the system and they want to uphold it, but it's not based on gender though, right? Because we see a lot of men who are trying to disrupt the system. Yes. And we see a lot of women who uphold it and, teach it and replicate it within their families as do men. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's a system, right? That's running kind of on its own. And then we all play these different roles in it and we have our own ways of disrupting it um, yeah. or, or perpetuating it. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I just remember that feeling a lot when I was like, in it being like, I'm surrounded by women and I'm surrounded by people who like, they love me and they care about me like on an individual basis, but like, it's not working. <laughs> like something's not right. And that's because it's like the bigger, it, it's like that meme, you know, where the fish is like, what water, what's water, <laughs> right? Right, right. You don't notice it until you push it just a little bit further than what people are comfortable with. Right. Yeah. Like, um, we say this, we see this research globally, like for a female, right? Now this is like global. So it takes everything into consideration. If she doesn't learn some sort of leadership skills by the age of 10, then her ability to kind of push the limits and to have, you know, autonomy and critical thinking and some, you know, ways that are gonna um, make her a leader in her communities, it significantly decreases. Wow. Because we have these expectations that you can be a tomboy or you can, you know, play around up until a certain age and mm -hmm. then it gets period, right? And we all know when we've pushed it a little too far because we know what the repercussions are. We know what the, you know, the punishments are, the name calling and the, that those times we step out of those boxes, right? Yeah. That so that makes me problem. wonder, mm -hmm. what are some of the belief systems we, um, what are some of the, 
the beliefs, the things that we think of as true before we're 10, that we're just like latching back onto when we have these unplanned pregnancies, when we choose abortion, when we take back our reproductive power. Um, certainly must be messages about like being a mother is the most important thing in the world. We certainly learned that one before we're 10, right? Like what are the other messages that like are so ingrained from when we're just tiny and they come back up later and we don't realize that they just like those yeah. got programmed in way early. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the messages conflict with one another. That's the really interesting thing, right? right? Like be pretty, but don't be too sexualized, but we yeah. want to sexualize you, but you can't really be too sexual, right? Right. Like we're always navigating like these really strange nuances of it. There's the, the self-sacrifice piece, right? That we have to take care of everybody. Like that's the highest thing that we can mm -hmm. do. Um, that we need to smile. We need to like balance everybody's needs and put those first and make sure everything in the room that you're in is calm. Like that's your responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. um, the entrance into these pink collar labor forces because we're kind of taught that at an early age about like teaching and you know certain kind caretaking. of caretaking yeah very much caretaking mm -hmm. right um and then we get to this point i think where we're you know six seven eight nine ten where if you're a female you know you can be a tomboy at some point in your life but eventually you can't really do that anymore eventually yeah. it needs to get serious now right we yeah. have to take very seriously right. now once you hit puberty or whatever it is right and in some countries I mean we're talking about like child brides you know I mean it gets real serious yeah like fast at some young ages for people and so then we're expected then to go back to all of that right the the caretaking the sacrificial piece the smile the look nice you know look pretty um, you know, that there are certain things that we're good at and not good at, you know, we hear people, girls at a very young age apologizing in their speech, like, I don't know if this is right, but sorry, yeah. sorry to interrupt, but, you know, and so we're automatically apologizing and ceding, again, our authority to somebody else to tell us if we're right or wrong, even for just like having an opinion. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I definitely remember in my own experience because I I've had one abortion. I had it after three kids. And I remember like, it was not easy to dissect out. Like what is like maternal instinct? Like what is hormonal? What is biological right now? What's happening there? And then what's happening in the, you should carry this pregnancy. You should just, you should, you should take care of this baby. You should. And like it, it definitely took a lot of self-awareness to be able to separate out like, cause there is a hormonal component of caretaking and nurturing and like being with your womb. Right. But then there's also like, which, which is messaging and which is biology. And then also we're human, right? Like biology from thousands of years ago, which we still carry isn't necessarily needed now. Like we don't need to keep reproducing for the species to survive, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, like all of these conversations are really just like being curious, being yeah. aware. It's like, where is that coming from? 
do I want to agree with it? Like, is there another way to look at this? Right. What happens if I try on another perspective for a moment? What new right. ideas or realizations or aha moments might I have? And that it's okay to change our minds too. Yeah. That's so big, right? Mm. That um, we're expected, you know, we expect women and girls to have an opinion and then stick with it forever. And usually we want them to have our opinion, whatever it is, to make it easier on all of us. Um, but there's this thing about changing our minds and feeling shame about deciding this yes. isn't a, this right. was, oh, this was something I wanted and now and I'm going to make a different choice. And, um, we have a lot of, you know, like guilt about that, I think, and shame. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, there's this illusion that like even making the choice to terminate a pregnancy and then deciding later, maybe that's not what I would do again. If I, if I could choose again, um, there's this illusion that like, it's, it's irrevocable in a way other decisions are not irrevocable, which in some ways is true. Like that pregnancy is gone. That pregnancy can't come back, but every decision we make, is irrevocable if we really think about it, right? Like if I drink the cup of coffee in the morning, I can't undrink the cup of coffee. And I'm not like comparing the two, but I am. Like there's this illusion that having made a decision about a pregnancy is bigger and more important and should create more shame and guilt. But like mm -hmm. that all is just a perspective. Yes, and that we're not gonna have a conversation about how we feel about having kids too. Right. I think that that's something that we need to talk about. We just assume, you know, I have three kids and I did not know what I was really getting myself into when I had these kids, you know, and so no one really says, so would you do that again? You know, not, not a question, a question where we're pondering around the swimming pool. <laughs> and if we're brave enough to say, you know what, I don't know if I would like that level of judgment is so enormous right now. Like that's a conversation that's being had le even less than the abortion conversation is like, I, I don't, I wouldn't do it again. I love my kids, but like, no, I wouldn't do it again. That's talk about like motherhood shame. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're like sitting right here, you know? Right. I'm yeah, right. exactly. And then too, what I see um, with women is struggling with the um, sense of responsibility or burden or frustration then that they have. And then they shame themselves because they think they're supposed to be really happy about all of this, everything they do and all of the expectations and the roles that come with that. Yeah. Something came up this morning with my 17 year old and I, my brain went right back to like, see, you don't know what you're doing. You're a terrible mother. Like this, you're not qualified for this job. <laughs> like you should know what to do. You should have read more books. Like all of it just like came flooding in like a tsunami. And I had to like really slow down and be like, no, you don't know what you're doing and that's okay. Like, we're just going to take it one step at a time. Um, but all that like shame and judgment and pressure just is, it's so easy to latch onto without, and so easy to run away with 
and just spiral into. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and just think of all the parenting books and, you know, everything that we look to for help, you know, and I think that's great. I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't do our research, but it's like, but I am me and my child is my child. And we don't really fit in to these scenarios in these books. Or I have clients whose kids are, um, you know, coming out to them as like non-binary and they're like, I don't know what to do about that. Yeah. Right. Because they, there aren't as many, you know, resources for that as a parent, you yeah. know, I mean, there are a lot more now, but they didn't experience it. And then they're bumping up against all sorts of gender norms too. And wondering about their parenting and what did they do or what should they have done? And it's, it just, it keeps going, right? The, yeah. the expectations and those gender boxes just, just stick with us. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think like in, it's such a good reminder to be like, okay, I had an abortion and I processed through a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and a lot of grief. And I see a lot of clients who are like, if I hadn't had the abortion, I wouldn't have to face all those feelings. Mm -hmm. And this parenting conversation is a good reminder that like, oh no, those feelings are going to come. Like you're a human being and you're going to have to face shame and guilt and grief and regret and all the things and anger and frustration and like all of it, it's coming to you. And so it's just like, which platter are you gonna are you gonna say yes to? Um, so there's this illusion a lot in the abortion conversation, like or with clients, where they're like, if I had done something else, I wouldn't have to feel this way. Like, mm -hmm. oh no, you would. It'd just be a different situation. Just right. be a different topic. Yeah. And when we get into that, if I hadn't done this, this other thing would be more possible or I would be happy. I mean, that's such a trap then, right? And it does keep us locked in. It keeps us small and it keeps us feeling that shame. Yeah. Yeah. Which the patriarchal systems want us to feel because then they have the power. Yeah. They're like clapping. They love yeah. that. They're like, yeah, <laughs> score. Yeah. Another one staying down. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Our shame feeds the system. It really does. And that's why the system teaches us to feel yeah. the shame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I have a question for you. Um, I, I work with many clients just in that like initial processing the feelings and the grief and like untying the complexity of it all. And then I work with a whole nother set of clients who are like, okay, I did that. And like, I want to turn this into something. I want this, I want this to be like soil that I can create something from. Mm -hmm. So when I work with those clients, like there's a little more like deeper worksheety, like taking it to the next level mm -hmm. stage. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you were creating a worksheet for those clients, for people who are like, I want to turn this into something. I want to make a difference. I want to break down a piece of the patriarchy in my story, which then breaks it down in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and the like top of the worksheet said like, how did patriarchy influence my abortion and what do I want to do about it? Mm -hmm. yeah, what other, a... what other questions would you add to that worksheet? Yeah. Yeah. I how... think about your social media posts, cause you do this all the time. It's great. Yeah. And it's like asking the question about the shoulds 
and who said, yeah, like who said, and is that true for me? Right. So like what's true and what else now is possible? I do a lot of body work with my clients. Ooh, let's talk about that. Like, you know, um, being like looking within us because our nervous systems are so ramped up you know, by the patriarchy, by white supremacy culture, by all the shoulds that um, I think women don't often take the time to just sit with our bodies. I mean, some people have meditation practices, but this is like aside from that, just looking inside for our own wisdom, because we've been told we can't trust our bodies. We've been told, you know, we have to be logical. We have to ask somebody else, you know, for their um, insight, right? Their approval. But I try to sit with women uh, with their consent, you know, and just say, okay, so what are you feeling in your body when you think about the, like, I did something wrong? Mm-hmm. What does that feel like? Where is it? And we just kind of sit with it. Mm-hmm. And then we just notice it, right? And like, what else comes? And sometimes it's like, I did something wrong. Someone's going to be disappointed in me. I'm a bad person, you know, and we just get that all out, just you know, write it all down, get it all out of there and then kind of like turn it and ask, but what do we value? Because oftentimes that like shame that we have reveals that we really care about something. Yeah. So something good. really important to us. So what if we think about that? And then, so we shift gears a little bit and we think about that thing that's important, the thing that we love, the thing that we hope or dream um, it can be big, you know, expansive and global and like a movement kind of thing, or it can just be really personal and small, you know, to us, not small, but in us. And then we see how that feels in our body, yeah. try to anchor into that. And it can help us then like process things and even make future decisions based on, does it feel contracting and um, shameful in our bodies, or does it actually feel relaxed, calm, confident, curious? Is there creativity in there? And that's usually the sign that that's that's the path, right? That's that's where the movement is. That's where the healing is. That's where the transformation of the individual and the community is. Mm, That's so good. That's so good. I'd fill it up with all the body stuff. That's what I would fill up. I love that. I love that just using all that feeling as an opportunity to see what it is you value. And if you move forward after your abortion experience or experiences with shining light on what you value, like what you birth into the world is, is a beautiful thing. Yeah, it really is. And we're so scared to feel the pain because it hurts, because it's uncomfortable, and because other people have told us how we should feel so ashamed and mm-hmm. how um, we've just like done the the thing, whichever, whatever it is, right? And right now we're talking about abortion, but like the thing that was like totally taboo, right? Okay. We did that thing. And so we're carrying like the, the community shame that we assume is out there and, and like kind of making it our own. And when we sit with it with somebody, it helps us to process it and know like it, we can feel this. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. It's yeah, hard. right. It. And it's like the the willingness to feel the icky stuff opens the space to feel all those good feelings on the other side of that. It's just like all expansion in either direction. The more you feel, the more you feel (laughs) all around. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
and in getting back to you know the patriarchy and the gender boxes it's like we're just told not to feel certain things right this bullshit because we're you can see why we're told not to feel because as soon as we feel we're like damn there's so much goodness in there like I've got power, I've got creativity, I've got influence, I've got like so much love to change the world. And so what's the easiest way to shut us all down, stop us from feeling? Yeah, we become unstoppable. (laughs) Right, come back to feeling and you become unstoppable. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Anything we didn't talk about that you feel like needs to be said or? Or does that feel like a good stopping place for you? It feels like a good stopping place, but I'll tell you what, there's so much more. We <laughs> I know, do. right? It's, it's never like narratives around abortion, um, reproduction, sexuality, identity. It's, you know, it's everywhere. And, um, you know, one thing that I do want to say is we didn't come up with these ideas, you know, about patri- that patriarchy provided for us, but we carry them. Yeah. And it's so important to excavate them and notice that they're there and how they've worked in our lives because it really is the way to liberation and into yeah. freedom. Yeah. And the thing is, like, even once we see that they're lies, we still carry them. Yeah. Just the awareness of recognizing sometimes can be a huge shift and things release and you like step into your power. But also like they're in there deep. So you can, it's like, it's, it's constant work to go like, oh, I know that's a lie. And I still feel it so deeply. Like that woman last night who was like, smart people don't have unplanned pregnancies. Like she knows it's a lie. She like intellectually, she's like, I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. I recognize that and it feels true to me. And so that's the work I'm just going to keep doing. And witnessing it, right? Instead of letting it be in the driver's seat, we can be like, oh, there's that again. Yes. That ability just kind of like takes a lot of the air out of it and takes the potency out of it. It's still there, but it's not as powerful. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Where can people find you to keep understanding the, the narratives around around patriarchy and the power in the feminist lens? Yeah. So you can go to my website, uh, michellemorker.com. And so there's information about how you can schedule uh, you know, consultation with me. And I'm working on some imposter syndrome coaching right now too, which is a newer thing that I'm doing. Um, which links to all of this, like overwork, perfectionism, you know, second guessing, all of that. And then on Instagram and Facebook, and I'm just, you know, generally around. So you can find. Yeah, we'll link up, but some people like to run out and run out and find you quick. (laughs) Good. All right. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to continuing to walk this journey forward with you. Thanks so much for having me. Continue this talk in so many ways. So I'm yeah, I know. So good. Okay, bye. Thanks. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, 
rating and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.